to another episode of Chasing 48. I'm Zach Harley. This is a Ghost Runner Media production. Appreciate you joining me here for episode number 16. First episode post-All-Star break. Uh, did you have fun watching the All-Star game, watching the Home Run Derby? Uh, I did. I had a lot of fun. I documented some of it in the last show. But I appreciate you joining me. Got a bit to talk about today, I'm going to be honest, not as much as normal, but hey, that's normal when there's only four games to talk about since we're coming off the All-Star break. Uh, but I mean, hey, got some injury updates to get to, trade deadline coming up uh, in, what, 11 days? You got the trade deadline, so maybe some people that the tribe can look to deal, look to look to trade for, I'll go over all of that. But today, today... Today, today, July 20th of 2021, I wanted to make today a little Terry Francona Appreciation Day. All right, so yes, the Indians sit in second place. Yes, they sit at 47 and 44, eight and a half games back of first, four and a half games back of the wild card. I understand that. It's fine. doesn't really have to do with any of this. Uh, Tito. Why is it Tito Appreciation Day? Well, yesterday, Bally Sports Ohio showed that he is one win behind Mike Hargrove for most wins all time by an Indians manager. Tito sits at 120. Mike Hargrove sits at, or at 720, excuse me. Tito sits at 720. Hargrove sits at 721. Tito, eight wins back from tying Lou Boudreaux for most wins all time. As the Indians manager. Boudreaux has 728. So I think that's pretty cool. Tito. He's probably going to get the next win in the next two days. Probably going to be the all-time leader in. What? No more than two, three weeks. Now here's my argument. Because you could go. Okay, cool. Yay. Awesome. Thanks for that, Zach. <laughs> and I'd say no problem. But I think Tito, and to some people this might not be the the biggest take, and I don't think it's the biggest take, but I think Tito is probably the best manager in Indians history. Yes, I know they've only gone to one World Series. Boudreaux won one. Hargrove went to two. I understand that. But I was looking at it. I was looking at their win totals, and I was looking at their games. If Tito gets to 729 by three weeks, which, I mean, let's hope they win nine games in the next three weeks, he'll be the all-time winner leader with under 1,300 games managed. So Boudreaux, he won 728, and they were all nine-year spans. So Tito has been the manager for now nine years. Hargrove was the manager for nine years. Boudreaux was a player manager for nine years. So Tito right now has managed 1,283 games. He's had no losing seasons, sits so at 720 wins. Mike Hargrove, next on the list, sits at 721 wins. 1,312 games, so that's 40 games more than Tito, and he had three losing seasons. They were all his first three seasons, 90, 91, 92, or 91-92-93, but he still had three losing seasons. And then Boudreaux, the leader, 728 total wins. He had two losing seasons. It took him almost 400 games to get to that point, sitting at 1,389. So he has eight more wins than Tito in 1,000 more games. Um, 
Yes, Boudreaux won the World Series, but Tito is going to pass him in 100 less games. I think that's crazy. So what I think makes him the best manager in Indians history. Okay, so Boudreaux was a way different era. Players didn't move like they do, and the Indians, for the most part, that core in the 90s was set in stone throughout the entire run, 94 to 99. You had the same pieces for the most part. I know Alomar came in, Lofton left and came back a few times. I know all that. For the most part, the core was set. For Tito Francona, I don't think, I mean, there's been a little bit of a core, but it's been more of a revolving door of a locker room than a set in stone lineup year after year. So, and I'm not just talking about the players that were big contributors for the Indians, okay? I'm not talking about Bauer, Clevenger, Carrasco, Cody Allen, Jan Gomes, Danny Salazar, Justin Masterson, Tyler Naquin, Josh Tomlin. Not talking about those guys. I mean, yes, that is a revolving door-ish of all-star type players, and I think all but two were all-stars at some point in their career. But I'm also talking about him losing clubhouse leaders through the uh, through the last nine years and still being able to overcome, put a locker room together, put a team, a lineup together, and consistently win year after year. He's lost clubhouse leaders like Kipnis and Brantley and Santana and Lindor and Kluber. He didn't want to get rid of any of those guys, but it's not his decision. He's He has to deal with the hand that is dealt to him, and I think he's done a better job than maybe anybody could do. As far as not knowing who's going to be on your team opening day and then not knowing who's going to be on your roster in June and then again on August 1st. Because players get traded. There's always DFA guys in the in the first couple months where you sign them to a minor league deal, tried it out, it didn't work, always happens. Carlos Gonzalez was one. Um, what's his name from this year? The center fielder, Ben Gamble. That was another one. They do it all the time. And they just rotate guys. And no matter who's on the team, who's on the roster, who's playing wherever, Terry Francona always, 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 and that's a fact, finds a way to get this team a winning record and give the city of Cleveland a good product of Major League Baseball for an entire summer. He has done it for, we're going on nine years now. Nine seasons of winning baseball. And you also got to remember that this guy, during his entire nine-year career with the Indians, he really hasn't had a center fielder either, which is a big part of winning baseball teams. It's the catcher, shortstop, center fielder. Those are your three captains of the field right there. And he hasn't had the same one for back-to-back years since Michael Bourne. Michael Bourne was there 13, 14, 15. After that, he has had a new Main center fielder every single year. Naquin did it one year. Mercado did it one year. Um, Drew Stubbs was on a team. I, I went and checked. He's had a different center fielder every single year. And they still find ways to win games. And a big part of it I think, is also being able to deal with all the different personalities 
that he's had to deal with. You saw it on display when he was with Boston. Yes, you had to deal Manny being Manny, and you had Poppy, and, and you had Papelbon, and and what, Schilling, and, and Lester, and all that. Lester's not a problem, but the rest of them, loud, and they have fun, but they're a little different. And he dealt with that fine until I don't. it became illegal to have a beer in the clubhouse on your off day and eat some fried chicken. Never understand that. That was a scapegoat for him. Whatever. He got out and Cleveland have benefited from that bad decision Boston made. So I'm not going to complain about it too much. But we've seen that. We saw it in Boston. And now we've seen it in Cleveland. Whether it's Swisher, Lindor, Bauer, all the way to Nick Hagadon. Remember, he was a a little bit of a head case. He was punching fire hydrants because that's what a sane person does. He's dealt with it and, again, always gives Cleveland the best product you could possibly ask for. I don't think any other manager in baseball can say that. I really, really don't. Bruce Bochy had down years in San Francisco. That guy's probably a Hall of Famer. We see Girardi, who was great with the Yankees, struggling with Philly right now. We see Aaron Boone. I don't know what the hell the Yankees' problem is. Everybody seems to think it's Aaron Boone's fault. I don't think Terry Francona would have a problem with that team. I think he'd be in first place in the AL East, but instead, the Yankees are in fourth place because they have Aaron Boone. I'm not saying they had a chance to get Terry Francona. I'm just saying the Yankees' roster is a hell of a lot better on paper than the Indians' roster, but somehow the Yankees are only two games better in the standings than the Cleveland Indians. That's all I'm saying about that. I don't think there's any other manager in all of Major League Baseball that could do what Terry Francona does on a year-to-year basis. And you know what? If the Indians make the wild card spot, if they grab a wild card spot, because the division's out of hand, we know that. They're eight and a half games back. Chicago's not getting worse. I got some news that's going to make them even better later on that I got to get to, but they ain't going anywhere. It's the wild card spot that the Indians are shooting for, and that's where they got to go. So if they grab a wild card spot, if they're one of the last two teams standing, or one of the last five, I guess, it's just icing. It's just icing on the cake for Terry. I think after everything that's gone on this year and it's only July, after everything this roster has gone through, You've had long injuries with Bieber, Savali, Franmil, Plesak, Bebo Perez, Jordan Luplo, Eddie Rosario, Naylor's out for the year. And not to mention going around those injuries, you also had to figure out who your shortstop was going to be. You thought it was going to be Jimenez, now it's Rosario, which is turning out very well. Who's your center fielder? No one ever knows. It could be Mercado, it could be Zimmer, it could be Harold Ramirez. Nobody knows. And no one's doing that good of a job keeping it either. And then first base, you had to start with Jake Bowers for 45 games. Something like that. Before you could get to Bobby Bradley. I mean, there has been questions even off of the injured list about this team. All season long. Yeah, I mean, you, you with Logan Allen gone, even if everybody is fully healthy, there is still a missing rotational spot, and, and that's the five spot. You're missing it. Even if everyone's healthy, even if everyone's back, you're still missing that five spot. And Terry's played the bullpen very, very well. I mean, I, th- I think he's done as good of a job as you can with, with the hand he was dealt, with basically having to go all bullpen days all the time 
for the last two months because you haven't had healthy pitchers. At first, it was, all right, Plesak went down, Logan Allen and Tristan are in the, are in AAA. All right, so you got Bieber, you got Savali, and then you got to figure out the three days after that. All right, well, you better win on Bieber Savali days. Bieber goes down. Oh, my God. All right, well, now it's just Savali and Fr- Savali goes down. What the hell? All right, so your rotation looks like a combination of Cal Quantrill, J.C. Mejia, uh, Eli Morgan, whatever, whatever the hell you had going on there. Sam Henches was starting some games with his 8 ERA. And they're still only four and a half games back Oakland for the wildcard spot. After going five and nine this month, they're only four and a half back. You're only four back at Toronto for the second spot. I mean, come on. I think every other team, I, I think, I think if you have, I'll just say 20, 27 of the other 29 managers, because I'm sure there's two others I'm just not thinking about right now. Maybe like Alex Cora or something. But if you have 27 of the 29 other managers managing this baseball team, I don't think it's a question if they're buying or selling in 11 days. I think they're selling wholeheartedly in 11 days. If if you have any other manager but Terry Francona manning this team. Because part of baseball, and, and a lot of the time it's like, well, what, what the hell does the manager really do? What does he do? He's not out there hitting the ball. He's not out there pitching. He's not out. You know what he does? He makes sure everyone is happy. He makes sure everybody is getting along. The morale is good. Guys are going for it. Guys are trying. Guys are staying in tune with, with, with the day-to-day, you know, grind that is that a season is. Because it's easy to check out. It's easy to check out halfway through the season. That's why August called the dog days. It's hot and it's long. You already played 100 games and you still got 60 more to go. It's a long year. It takes a toll. Some guys tend to. To clock out every now and then. That's when a good manager steps in. That's when a good manager steps in and says, hey, we're not done. We're 100 games in. Yeah, we still got 60 more to go. We can't tune out for a week or two because we're tired. He gets them going. Gets them motivated to want to play. Because, yes, there is a motivation among players. I want to do great for myself. Uh, If you don't have a big contract, I want to play for a big contract. There is all of that. But there is that last bit of motivation that sets apart the good managers from the great managers. And that small part of motivation is correctly, correctly conveying the idea of if you do well and no one else does, it doesn't fucking matter. That's the idea. But also on the flip side is if you go one for four and that one was a bunt down the left field line to move a guy over to third, you beat it out at first, that helped as much as a, as a home run what earlier. So there's that conveying of importance to the team. And when you do that and when every guy understands his role – And every guy in that locker room understands why they're there, what they have to contribute to the team, and how they can help that team win. And once they all grasp that idea, 
That is when you have a winning ball team. That's when you have a winning ball club, and that's what Terry Francona has been able to do for this Indians team for nine years. It's been a revolving door this year and over the last nine years of really good players, all-star players, Cy Young winners, silver sluggers, gold glovers, all that stuff. Batting title finalists, MVP finalists. They've all come and gone. But one thing that has stayed certain is Terry Francona is in that dugout managing the team and managing them to a winning season every single freaking year. And so that's why this is a Tito Appreciation Day. It's Tito Appreciation Month. And this is a Tito Appreciation Pod over everything else. (laughs) So that's why I think that Terry Francona is the best manager in Indians history. All right, I touched on it a bit, that trade deadline coming up just 11 days away on July 31st. Uh, I know I've gone to it for a month. I know it sounds like a cop-out. I know it sounds like I'm just giving you some spiel because I really don't know what I'm talking about. I really, really think it is premature for anybody that doesn't work in that front office to declare the Indians buyers or sellers at this point. Now, of course, they can do both. Of course, they can, okay, yeah, we traded a minor leaguer for a guy that maybe can help us now, or or he's a, he's a young guy, so I think he could fill the spot in the lineup, but he's really not going to be ready for next year. They can, they can do that, but I'm talking about trading minor, major leaguers to get major leaguers. Or trading minor leaguers to get major leaguers, or trading major leaguers to get minor leaguers. Trade, buying or selling. I'm not talking about both. Every team can do both. But when you're going the bulk of it, there's a difference between trading a minor leaguer for a minor leaguer and then trading Cesar Hernandez or Roberto Perez or James Karinczak. There's a difference there. So whether they're buyers or sellers, in my opinion, and I think you know this, depends on the next week and a half. It really, really does. They got two more against Houston. They got four coming up against Tampa, which is going to be a huge series. They got two against St. Louis with two off days peppered in between those. And you got one game against the White Sox on trade day. They've gone five and nine this month. They started out with that terrible streak where, what, they lost 10 in a row. They lost seven in a row in July. But since then, they've gone five and two since then. They went two and two this, uh, this past weekend. So whether they're buyers or sellers, depends on what they do. Now look, if they win four of their next nine, they'll be sitting at 51 and 49. I don't know if that's good enough. It's only two games over 500, and I can't fully support going for it and being buyers when you're just two games over 500. On the flip side, if they win five or six games in the next nine, let's just say six, that puts them at 53 and 47. That's a pretty competitive trade deadline record for a wild card contender. So that switches it. That switches it a little bit, right? But then the question comes up, and I'm taking these notes, and then I think about it. I go, you know what? You're still just competing for the wild card. You're still just trying to go for the wild card. Are you really going to buy instead of sell some pieces anyways just to go for for a wild card for a one-game playoff? 
against either Tampa or Boston because that's who you're going to chase? You really want one game against one of those teams? And sure, I mean, yeah, hell, I'll take it. Of course I'll take it. But I don't know if you want to if you want to sell some of your some of your better prospects for a guy that can help you this year and maybe next year and then that's it. And then you're stuck. And then you still lost the wild card game so you went for it for what ended up being nothing anyways. So that's what I'm worried about. I mean, yeah, you can be three games back of the wild card at the trade deadline, and that sounds good, but say you hit a little bump in uh, in late August. You got you got three, four games coming up against Boston. Say you get swept. And whoever you're chasing at the time in the wild card standing, let, let's just still say Oakland, even though I know Toronto and New York, they're, they're all bunched up. Everybody's bunched up. Say you're chasing Oakland. You lose three in a row to Boston. You've been keeping pace. You're about two back. Now you lose three, they win three, you're five back. You're five back with a month to play. That's pretty hard to come back from. So I'm saying if you're chasing a wild card, I don't know. But then, I mean, this is the this is the frustrating, not frustrating, but just like what the hell part of it. Because then the the, the guys that the Indians are thinking about trading, I think you could probably still trade them and and, and live with it. So it's Cesar Hernandez, right? He's hitting 220 right now. Eddie Rosario, if he gets healthy in the next 10 days, he could be on the move. Well, the Indians have done okay with him without him. I mean, yeah, it's not been pretty. They had the losing streak since he went down and whatever, but I think they're getting it together. Bradley Zimmer, honestly, is playing a little bit better ball. Of course, anything decent is a lot better than I expected. So, I mean, they could probably move Eddie and... I don't know what you'd get back, but you probably get something. You pro- I mean, the Indians don't make trades just to make trades, so they'd probably trade them to a contender for a young arm or maybe a young outfielder. I don't I don't know what the hell they would trade Eddie Rosario for. He hasn't been that great this year, but whatever. Uh so I think you you can maybe live without Eddie and then Cesar, yeah, he's hitting 220. You got a you got Clement and Owen Miller and all that. I'm sure they can hit 222, so that's the, that's the weird part. Like, do you want them to buy? Do you want them to sell? Well, if they sell, is it really selling? If it's Cesar and Eddie, if they get pieces back for the next couple of years. So the way they trade makes this so hard. All I know, all I know is if you want the Indians to go get Brian Reynolds from Pittsburgh or I, there's no way it happens, but Chris Bryant from Chicago because they said today he's 100% gone from Chicago. If you want them to go get those two, you need Chicago, the White Sox, to drop, I don't know, maybe seven in a row, and then you have to sweep this next week and a half to make that even a thought of possibility. Because even if if Chicago drops seven of its last nine and the Indians win nine of their next nine, they would, I think, be tied. <laughs> no, the Indians would be a game and a half back still if that happened. So that's the distance, and then they're four and a half games back. Obviously, they'd be in first in the wild card if that crazy thing just happened. But all I'm saying, it's tough. You need these next nine games to figure out what the hell's going to happen, and uh, they could still sell Cesar and Rosario and still maybe make a run. I don't know what they're going to do. All I know is if they do sell, if they, I mean, if they drop three of their next or if they drop six of their last nine, seven of their next nine, they can't talk. 
which is good because I'm hosting a podcast. If they drop seven of their next nine, you could see maybe Berto go. You could see maybe Karen Check go. I don't think Karen Check's going to go either way. I really, really don't. I, I think they're going to want him for another year or two before they actually have to pay him money because I think he's here to stay because I think his movement's getting better and that velo is uh, sitting around 96, 97 and I, I give a thumbs up to, to anything over 95 is impressive to me. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think they're getting rid of him. Um, Perez, I wouldn't want to get rid of him, but I could totally see it. Cesar, uh, yeah, he's probably gone either way. Eddie Rosario, if he gets healthy, he's probably gone. And then I don't think there's anyone else on this team that that people would trade for. Um, I mean, maybe, do you really want Bradley Zimmer? I know he's been in the league a couple of years, so I'm, I'm trying to go through contract stuff in my head that I haven't looked at. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, maybe they would try to get rid of, um, everybody else. Like what the hell? You're not going to get rid of Josie. You're not going to get rid of Jose Ramirez. It's not going to happen. If anything, that's the one guy the Indians would resign is Jose Ramirez. Cause it's not going to be a 10 year deal. Cause he's already going to be 30 by the time he signs it. So he's not going to do a 10 year deal. You'll be able to resign that guy. And they're not trading Shane Bieber. A, he's hurt, and B, that would just be dumbest thing you could do because he's like 25 years old. Uh, speaking of Bieber, injury update. Um, if that summed up anything, I don't even know if that trade deadline stuff made sense. I have no idea. It's in 11 days. The Indians need to win a bunch of games to become buyers. If not, they'll be sellers. They'll probably do both, and nothing I just said will come true. So hopefully all of that made sense. But anyways, back to Bieber. Uh, couldn't really find anything. No new reports, kind of. Uh, Bieber and Savali both played catch this week. Uh, so that is good news. That means they can throw the ball. I don't know how far along that means they are. Uh, I guess I read that Carl Willis, the pitching coach, wouldn't really give a timetable on either of them. But I'm hoping, since they're playing catch, and they were uh, arming, they were, what, it was a finger and the shoulder for Bieber. If you're throwing the ball, you probably feel a little better. So I'd say a couple weeks away, hopefully fingers crossed for those guys. Um, and then I couldn't find anything on Eddie Rosario. I know I just went over 15 minutes. So let's trade that guy. You can't trade a hurt person. Um, couldn't find anything on him, which is not great for a return. Cause that means he's not doing a rehab or anything like that. So that's where the Eddie Rosario stuff is. All right, uh, time for, love to see it. I hate to see it. Yes, it's back. It was on a one-week hiatus. It was on the All-Star break, just like everybody else not named Jose Ramirez on the Indians. So love to see it. What I love to see, I will start with Fran Mill Reyes. The God, he is returning strong as hell. He had two moonshots in the last two games. He hit one on the... On the tracks in Houston yesterday, that was crazy. Since he's returned, he's slugging 667. So two out of every three hits are extra base hits, which is beautiful. On the year, he's been solid. 271, 327 on base percentage. OPS of 928, which is elite. 16 dingers, 42 RBI. Remember, he missed a month. So think of that in June stats, June 1st stats pretty good uh 
I think they have a certified slugger on their hands, and he's under team control for the next three years. I think uh, I can never remember how they traded for Fran Mill. Was it the Bauer deal? It was the Bauer deal. I think that deal, the Indians are coming out. <sighs> wow, especially now. Head over heels better than anybody else in that deal, especially since the Reds got screwed because of that 2020 season. They were going for it, and they got screwed. Uh, and Trammell just hasn't worked out for San Diego. So I think the Indians far and away won that deal. And, yeah, he's your certified slugger for the next three years. So if you try to get jerseys of new players every three to four years because that's what you got to do, I think I might get that one. Uh, another thing I love to see, I love to see, the Indians have gone 2-2 two and two since the break, I said, but all four of those games were close. Their one win was a one-run game. The other win on Sunday was a two-run game. The losses, both one runs. Both one-run losses. Yeah, Friday, Oakland, Class A blows it. I know. Uh, they almost came back last night. I think this team is finally starting to get some confidence. I think they're finally healthy. They're hungry. The All-Star break did them some good. I think they're ready to get on a roll. I really, really do. And maybe, you know, I probably should have mentioned this five minutes ago, but this might impact their trade deadline uh, stance on if they buy or sell because they're, they're August. Compared to their July, where they played Houston twice, Tampa twice, you got St. Louis coming up, you got the White Sox coming up. August looks real nice. Looks like a month where a team that wants to make a playoff push and has the tools to make a playoff push can really, really gain some ground on whoever they're chasing. So they got four straight out the gate against the Blue Jays. I think that can be a huge series considering the Blue Jays are a half game above them in the wild card standings. And I think the Blue Jays are a beatable team as long as you can keep up with their offense, which I don't think the Blue Jays pitching is any good. So I think the Indians could maybe get two or three you know, big hits against them, and if the Indians pitching can shut down Vladdy Guerrero, you got a shot. Then you got three, you got six against Detroit in the month. Uh, you got to make up against the Reds. Then you got three on Oakland, another team you're chasing. You got three against Minnesota, three against the Angels at home. Go see Shohei Otani, and Mike Trout should be back too, so that should be a fun series. Might have to come in town for that. Uh, Texas, which is awful, and then, yes, you have the Red Sox for three, which is tough. But the rest of the month, I think you can seriously gain some ground. I mean, you got nine games between the Tigers and the Twins. You should take six or seven of those. You should you should take seven because the Twins are going to sell all of them, and the Tigers don't. I mean, they're probably going to sell a couple guys too. Uh, Oakland, Toronto, you should take five of those, four at least. You got to take at least four of those seven against Toronto and Oakland. You have to sweep Texas or at least take two or three, and you got to take two or three from LA because their pitching is no good. Boston, you run into trouble. It happens, whatever. They should be able to gain some ground in the month of August and really set themselves up for September. So that's what I love. This team is looking healthy right now. It's looking hungry. It's looking like it's ready to make a run. Guys are getting healthy. Guys are getting back. Beaver Savali on the way at, at most, hopefully a month, which sets him up for a good month and a half of starting pitching. So I, I really, really, really like to see it. I know the segment's not called like to see, kind of don't like to see, but I really like to see the team is getting on a roll. I know I quantify a roll as two and two, but I really quantify it as, as four close games against uh, two playoff teams there. So 
And they're getting healthy again for the 18th time. Fran Mill coming back, huge. I love it. I do love it. What I hate to see, what I hate to see last night, Roberto Perez's historic streak came to an end. What? Oh? Oh? You weren't aware? You weren't aware of the historic streak Roberto Perez has been putting on behind the plate for the last three years? Oh, shame on you. Yesterday, Roberto Perez allowed a pass ball. So what? No biggie. Happens all the time. No, it doesn't. The last time you saw Roberto Perez allow a passed ball, not a wild pitch, a passed ball, September 4th of 2018. He's played 184 consecutive games without allowing a passed ball. It's the longest such streak in baseball since 1994. 184 games without allowing a passed ball. I was a catcher in high school. I allowed like two a game. And guys are throwing like 75 miles an hour max. These guys are throwing curveballs that drop off the table. They're throwing 98 miles an hour into the dirt. And he hasn't allowed a passed ball since 2018. Three years almost on the dot. That is wild. That is crazy. That is crazy. And we saw it come to an end last night. So that is what I hate to see. All right, once again, cue the music. Time now for your AL Central Roundup. Starting with the standings, the White Sox sitting pretty in first place, 57 and 37, 20 games over 500. Red Hot, 8 and 2 in their last 10. Run differential on the year is now at 125. The Indians, 47-44, eight and a half games back, five and five in their last 10. Run differential on the year of minus 15, and it drops off. The Tigers, 44-51, 13 and a half games back of first, five and five in their last 10. Run differential, a minus 56. The Twins, they keep going down. 14-54, 17 games back of first, five and five in their last 10. Run differential of minus 67, and the horrid Kansas City not-so-Royals. 37 and 55, 19 games back of first place, two and eight in their last 10 run differential of 101. So we'll start with the White Sox. They released outfielder Adam Eaton last week. He got picked up by the Angels. Uh, why they released him? Well, Luis Robert, their star young center fielder. Remember, he got hurt very, very early in the year, right after Eloy Jimenez did. Uh, he's going to start a rehab assignment this week, so good news for them, bad news for everybody else, because that makes the White Sox that much dangerous now. You're replacing a 220 hitting Adam Eaton with Luis Robert, who is fast as hell. He has as much power as anybody else. And he's really, really good, and he's going to be really, really good for a really long time. So bad news for everybody else. They also re-signed uh, their stud pitcher, Lance Lynn, to a two-year extension. He's dealing this year. Cy Young candidate. Makes sense. Big money. I think it was like two years, $39 bucks. It's big money for a 30-plus-year-old. Uh, I mean, you got to reward him for what he's doing this year. But uh, in two years, that, that deal might, uh, might look bad if they don't make a real run at the World Series this year. What I could see, I could see Chicago, and I would I would hate this because their outfield would just be stupid now. I could see them making a move or trying to make a move for Chris Bryant and move him either to third base 
where he normally plays, or center field, where the Cubs have been playing him all year because I think they're trying to show teams that he can play anywhere. So trade for him. You need an outfielder? Here you go. You need third baseman? I got one for you right here. So I think they've been playing him in the outfield for that reason, but he can play a very good center field. Uh, so I can see the White Sox going for him. That is a... That is a... If you add him, if you add him to the White Sox lineup, that means now you have Tim Anderson. You have Jose Abreu, Luis Robert back, Yasmani Grandal, and now you add Chris Bryant to that mix? That'd be tough. That'd be tough. I wouldn't want to face that, but I could see them going and doing it. Tigers still playing good baseball right now. Five and five in their last ten. Young guys stepping up and... And, uh, you know, making the future look a little brighter up there in the Uh I can see them moving Jonathan Scope. And I wrote that down, and then I looked it up, and it looks like everybody else can too. So it looks like Jonathan Scope, he had a good one-year, you know, little little demo reel-type year in Detroit. They're probably going to move him at the deadline. The Twins, apparently, now I said this a few weeks ago, but I said it would shock me, and it is shocking me. They're going to shop Byron Buxton. They're going to shop. They could trade him. They could not. But they're thinking about it, which is further than I thought they would get on that. Everyone else, they're also on the block. Nelson Cruz, Taylor Rogers, Jose Barrios, Josh Donaldson, Kenta Maeda, maybe if anybody wants that 5 ERA. But he does have playoff experience, so maybe. They're going to blow it up. I'm going to laugh. Um... Kansas City, they're going to do the same thing. Mike Miner, Danny Duffy, Carlos Santana, they're confirmed. They, they're they looking to move those guys. Um, Whit Mirafield, I haven't seen anything, but I think that they could move him as well. Now, I said let's laugh at Minnesota and do it. Go ahead, because I got, I got really sick of hearing about them the last couple off seasons. Let's not forget that Minnesota and Kansas City, they're going to dump all their good players, and it's going to look like trash these next two months, okay? Let's not forget that's how the Chicago White Sox got here. That's exactly how the White Sox got to this position. They traded really good players, Chris Sale. They ended up with uh, Giolito for that one. Worked out. They trade really good players, get top 100 prospects, because those are really good players, so you get a top 100 prospect back, or two, or three. And then in three years, you run away with the division. <laughs> that, that's how the White Sox did it. So, yeah, we can laugh at Minnesota. We can laugh at Kansas City. But just like don't be surprised if Detroit contends in a year or two, don't be surprised if whoever the hell Minnesota and Kansas City trade for this year help them win, a, win the division in uh, three or four years. All right, so that was your AL Central Roundup coming up. The Indians got two more against Houston tonight and tomorrow. Tristan, he's on the mound tonight for the Tribe. He's got to keep the ball low, especially against this lineup, especially against Altuve. If you give Altuve or Gurriel or Correa or Bregman or any of those guys, if you give, if you hang something up or if you just miss up, they are going to hit that thing 450 feet and you're never going to see the ball again. So Tristan, he's got to keep it low. I want to see his command. I want him to go off of that last start where his command was really, really good. I think his his strike-to-ball ratio was about 70% strikes. So I want to see that floating around 63 68%. I would really like to see that from him tonight. And then tomorrow, Eli Morgan. He's going to be the pitcher 
to start the game for the Indians. He went five innings uh, his last two starts, and two starts goes against Houston. He gave up three runs. Uh, so if he can do that again, hand it off to the bullpen, I would be more than happy with that start out of Eli Morgan. All right, and then, of course, they got the four coming up against Tampa, and uh, then we will reconvene after an off day on Tuesday when they start up against St. Louis. So that is it. That's all I got. Celebrate Tito Francona because he's about to be the winningest manager in Indians history, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, trade deadline. Who you got? Who do you want? Leave it in the comments or wherever the hell you do this, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Let me know who you want the Indians to uh, trade or trade for. I would like to know. Maybe uh, maybe I can look into stuff, some stuff and maybe I'll agree with you. Maybe not, but maybe I will. All right, so that is it. Next week, we will have a full week of baseball to talk about. So, appreciate you joining me. Again, subscribe. Uh, what is it? Rate it on Apple. Comment. Whatever the hell you got to do. Just show me some love on, on the podcast things because it helps me out a lot. All right, appreciate it. And until next time, this is Chasing 48. I'm Zach Harley. Be a good person. Be a great person. Something nice for someone. See you next week.